0: My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick Switch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode, back on Blog Talk Radio, where you will also find a link. To StarryEyedSupplies.co.uk Which is the home of the lovely Joey Morris's Herbal Magic She has a magic shop online um, Many of you probably know Joey from her YouTube channel And you probably, if you follow her YouTube channel Or you read her blog You are probably as fond of her as I am And it will make perfect sense to you Why I wanted to have her on The show in the month of March when we're talking about resistance. One, I just really like talking to Joey. And two, I think she's a great person to talk about how shadow work comes into play uh, when you feel yourself bumping up against against some resistance. And um, a couple of cool things happened during this interview that have stuck with me. I recorded this interview last week before Spring Equinox, we talk about how Spring Equinox is is almost here. Well, Spring Equinox was yesterday. <laughs> but you can still celebrate. Keep on celebrating. Um, but one thing that really grabbed me that I was obsessed with, I wrote about it here, there, and everywhere online and in my journal, uh, was, uh, well, you'll hear, we talk about The magic of dandelion. I actually write about working with dandelion in the spring equinox module because dandelion has been a plant that has been very important to me for, oh gosh, years, 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 maybe since my childhood. And uh, we talk a little bit about that. But something like clicked when we were talking and it just, it became part of my spring equinox experience in a whole different, much deeper way this year. And I started working with Dandelion as a kind of totem of the strength and endurance of she who nurtures despite harsh harsh conditions. So um, that's probably my favorite part of this whole conversation. And then we were talking about goddesses. I was asking her about You know, does she believe goddesses are, are they their own sovereign entities, or are they figment of our imagination, or are they archetypes that we all contain within? That was really interesting, but I noticed myself, again, saying something I say all the time, that I'm not a very goddessy witch. And uh, afterward, I made a decision. I'm not going to say that anymore, because I feel like that's disrespectful to... The goddess that I love to work with, even though, I don't know, it, the, the line starts to blur, even though you're working with a goddess as an archetype, which is how I perceive goddesses, something, they do start to kind of come alive for you, and you want to be respectful, and I just thought, I've been saying I am not a goddessy witch for so long, and that feels... That doesn't feel resonant, it doesn't feel respectful, it doesn't feel cool to me anymore. So I made a decision during this interview. Sorry, this is a long intro, lots of talking about me, me, me. Um, But that's that's how this interview impacted me and what I got out of it. I got a lot out of this one. I hope you do too. So without any further ado, here she is, the lovely Joey Morris. Hello, Joe, Joe, Joey, Joanne Morris. Welcome Welcome back to Hippie Witch.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited to have you back now that the sound is better because I want people to get to hear you fully (laughs) in all of your awesomeness. Every word. (laughs) Yes. And for those of you who don't know Joey Morris, I feel like most of you probably do, or many of you. I won't say most of you. The witches among you probably know who she is. Um, She is the kick-ass creatrix behind Starry-Eyed Supplies. She makes these amazing witchy, crafty, what, like candles and oils and...
1: Smudges and spell orbs and all sorts. (laughs)
0: Yes, and then her videos are amazing, so um, that's why I wanted to have her on to talk this month in the month of talking about resistance because of her videos primarily because um, you have a lot to say about resistance and shadow work, and I just thought you're the perfect person to talk to you this month.
1: Why, thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm happy to be back. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, And you're such a fun person and sparkly. Uh, like your products often have sparkle in them. And you often have some really cool eyeliner, eyeshadow action going on. <laughs> but um, that's actually not what I think of. When I think of you, I think like you're very dramatic and po- <laughs> and poetic and deep. And there's this urgency behind your words that I think is a really interesting contrast to the sparkle and the pretty. I really, I think you uh, embody this idea of, I don't know if balanced is the right word, but it's the word that comes to my mind, like the well-balanced witch. Somebody who embraces her lightness and her darkness and is living somewhere in between.
1: I think it's actually really important to embrace all sides of who you are, and it, it kind of applies to shadow work and, and resistance and things as well. Because we can't live in one side of ourselves all the time, because it just becomes unhealthy. If we if we're living in the the serious, deep, shadowy side all the time, then we don't make time for the fun, sparkly, lighter side. Maybe I think it's I think it's important to. To enjoy both and 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 delve into both and find that balance in between. Yeah, it's important to me.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a lot of people move through long movements, like big periods of darkness or lightness. Like I think a lot of times when people get into the new age community, uh, the temptation is to be like all light and love and positive thoughts all the time, and they can kind of hang out there. For as long as I often see people who get into like witchcraft, they go like so into the deep and the darkness or a lot of people go through what is commonly called the dark night of the soul. So I do think there's periods, especially when we're young, like Mm -hmm. uh, and then as we get older, I feel like the two sides of ourselves start to come into more more harmony. I don't know if balance is the right word, but there's a harmony to where you're not like spending 10 years in the darkness before you come about. Although I probably did. I probably did spend that long like dwelling there. (laughs) Do you feel like a part of your journey was like an, an overemphasis on the on the dark or maybe not even an overemphasis? Maybe that's what you need to experience at the time. But you talk so much about it. I'm just wondering, like, you seem comfortable there.
1: Well, I went through a lot of traumatic experiences, which is what kicked off a lot of my um, shadow work at, at that point. And so I went through a very dark period, perhaps, if, if loosely terming it as, as light and dark periods. But I went through all the difficulty of it first. It's, it's not necessarily an easy thing to be comfortable with necessarily, but I think it's, you get to a point when you have been through real trials and real difficulty and and you've seen really awful stuff within your own life that you get to a point and you're like, I know who I am now. I've seen some of the worst stuff that I've ever seen and I've come through that and I felt all the different stages of what shadow work can go through or or the the painful emotions and the the sort of denial emotions. And I think you go through the cycles of it and then you get to a point where you're like, okay, I'm all right in my skin. I know who I am. I can start to deal with the more difficult side, with the shadowy side. I can um, engage in that process and become more comfortable with it. And Morrigan has made me more comfortable in, in the dark sides of uh, of myself like engaging with dark goddess energy and deity has helped me to become comfortable in that space um not too comfortable because that's not the point of really delving into shadow work and 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 finding a place where you're not comfortable and figuring out where that discomfort comes from and how are you going to grow from that process but i think you get to a point where you realize that all of these cycles are kind of necessary for growth. And so you become accepting of them, even if they're not happy or cheerful or uh, really comfortable places you at least can acknowledge way, where it's taking you that like there are lessons there that you need to to hear and feel and experience so I think it's not necessarily that I'm comfortable with it but I think it's it's that I've come to a place where I can appreciate it if that makes sense
0: it makes perfect sense and the, the word you used that jumped out at me was acceptance so it's not it's true like when shadow issues come up It is inherently uncomfortable. (laughs) Um, So having, I guess, uh, a certain acceptance level of that and being able to stand on the knife's edge, so to speak, and like sit with it for a moment, I think is key. It's key because then the kind of resistance that comes up around denial is the kind of resistance that you're so out of touch with that you don't really know it's there and it starts wreaking havoc on your life.
1: Yeah, and it's sneaky that kind of resistance as well because you think you're fine, and and your you, your mind kind of tricks yourself into oh, I'm not resisting. I'm j- I'm just positive about the situation or whatever. And then the shadow will kick you and say, No, you're resisting it. You <laughs> you, you need to really delve into it and take a good look at it and and figure out what the the, the key points here that are affecting you and influencing you are, <laughs> rather than trick yourself into thinking you're fine and. I'm not resisting versus, you know, maybe I am resisting and I need to just take a good look at this and and make sure I'm not sabotaging myself in any way.
0: Totally. Totally. And what I like about shadow work is, um, well, it's I don't know if I like it, but what I appreciate about it is it's a taskmaster in that you really can't resist it. You can mm-hmm. you can try, but the more you push against it, the more you strengthen it in a way the shadow, and the more it starts showing itself to you <laughs> in all different ways. Like it will do whatever it takes to get your attention, and if you continually deny and resist and resist and resist, um, it can persist just as long as you can resist. And you're just going to have this crazy like shadow dance going on where you're. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think shadow dancing in a conscious way is extraordinarily empowering, so I didn't mean dance in that way, but I mean the dance of resistance, the, you know, trying to, <laughs> trying to outrun your own shadow is, it's just, it's not possible because it's you. It's just a part of you. It's who you are in, on a deeper level.
1: Mm. I th- i was saying this recently, but I think that shadow work is perhaps some of the most honest work within like a spiritual sp- Sphere, if you like, that you will do with yourself because you can't lie to yourself about who you are, and you have to get to a place where you're like, this is just honestly affecting me in this way, and now I have to chase down the roots of why this is affecting me and be honest about myself. Otherwise, it's just going to keep coming back, and I'm not going to get past this point. So.
0: Exactly. You know what I'm I'm realizing? I'm assuming that everybody knows what shadow work is because I talk about it from time to time. And I feel like uh, maybe we should define that. Maybe you should define that because I've already talked about it here in my own way. Mm -hmm. So like what is shadow work?
1: Well, the way I recently have been defining it is I've been working with uh, shadow work in terms of Owen, which is a Celtic divinational system involving trees so the way that I have been describing shadow work and I uh, described it this way recently again is that it's kind of like you're the tree and within the roots of the tree is like an ecosystem and the shadow work are things that are around within the roots so they have contributed perhaps to the growth of the tree but perhaps at some point they become not nutritious. They're not feeding us anymore. Um, We have grown from certain experiences, certain uh, things that we've been taught, maybe lessons, things that we've decided for ourselves along the way somewhere. And they become sort of part of our psyche. They become part of who we are. And they're not necessarily beneficial for us i'm i i'm F completely hesitant to say that they have no place because i think shadow work definitely has a place and is um, hugely important to growth and discovering who we are but they might be limiting us after a certain point we might have outgrown um what was originally helping us to grow and then we need to sort of break past the shell of these things that are hindering us and kind of tying us down and it can be traumatic experiences it can be the oddest things that um, somebody said to us once and we didn't realize quite how deeply it affected us. it can be all manner of things that just affect us and hold us back I think shadow work is kind of working through the restrictions um, to growth that have occurred at some point and though they may have helped us at some point to grow past something perhaps now they're holding us back So perhaps we learn to cope with a traumatic situation in a certain way, with a certain thought pattern or a certain behavior. But once we've grown past that traumatic event and the immediate reaction to it, then perhaps the comforting behavior that helped us through it can in itself become a hindrance. So we have to then grow past the shadow of, of what we relied on at one point. We have to move past things that we've used as crutches rather than are truly positive tools for spiritual growth.
0: Mm. Well, what that was would, a bit
1: long winded. <laughs> well,
0: no, it was great. What would that look like in practical terms? I mean, like, how do people do shadow work? If somebody had never done shadow work, like what's just, what's mm. like a, just a simple practice that somebody could do? I
1: think the simplest thing that I, that immediately comes to mind is a form of journaling. So, um, and at first there's kind of like a moment of awareness, a moment of noticing that you are always going back to something. So let's say you come for eight to get through a a difficult situation and you don't want to be doing that anymore, but you're finding that your comfort eating, in general, now it's not necessarily that you're in a traumatic place, but whenever you're feeling quite, quite low, quite down, you you comfort eat or um, reach for something that is not beneficial for you. So you start to journal and you start to note down. What triggers you comfort eating, so what your feelings are around the time when you start doing that. And for me, it's kind of probably more of a Virgo analytical thing, but I prefer to write it down and have like a a physical text in front of me where I can be like, I have noticed that I'm engaging in X behavior and it's not great and it's not making me feel good. And I think there might be an issue there. And then trying to deconstruct from that point, trying to figure out the feelings and and reactions and where that might come from and kind of journaling through it. So I think that's probably how I would recommend that if you've never done it before, that you go from that point.
0: Yes, I totally second that as um I think it's a very airy libra. i I find moving things from the air <laughs> from my thought process down into something physical, like holding a pen and scrolling, you know a, against a journal or a piece of paper. There's something about that that's very grounding to me, and then I find there is a wisdom that I cannot tap into just, you know, trying to think my way through something that magically, like, flows through my arm into the pen and onto the page, like, I can ask questions of myself, like, why am I resisting this blah, 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 or why am I comfort eating, or whatever the thing is, mm-hmm. and if you just just start writing without thinking, like, you just let whatever comes through comes through. It's amazing, it's like being your own psychologist in a way, like some real true wisdom can come out if you just get curious about what's going on and don't approach it as though you know the answers. It's kind of I believe the divine is within all of us, we're all in the the divine and the divine is in us all, and so we all have access to that wisdom and truth anytime,
1: mhm, yeah.
0: Yeah, so journaling for the shadow work. I'm a fan. I think that's an awesome place to begin. Um, Also, I have to say, I... I I got I went down this whole track this morning and got myself super distracted with like feng shui. I don't know, I was getting really like going off in this direction and I knew I was gonna talk to you at ten o'clock and I'm like, I need to get into like the zone of what we're gonna talk about. <laughs> so I just like started playing your videos. Um to get into the Joey Morris vibe and (laughs) um, I am so excited. I feel like it was meant to be that I went and did that because I clicked on a video that you did about the spring equinox, which is Mm. happening in less than a week now. Um, And so let me get a little, I'm going to talk here for a second bear with me. (laughs) I (laughs) I think there are two sides of resistance. There's probably more, but I'm thinking about two sides of resistance. There's the resistance we feel within our own selves and toward our own desires, which is, you know, what shadow work is so great for. And then there's the kind of resistance that is protective against outside forces, the kind of resistance that says, you know, like, we shall not be moved. Mm-hmm. And, um what you were talking about in that video, I'm a big fan of dandelions, too. Let me throw that out there. I know this is sounding all over the place for those of you who haven't seen the video. But <laughs> she talks about dandelions and how this spring is feels different than other springs before. And you were not feeling the bunny rabbits and the flowers, you know, the mm. happy, hippity-hoppity vibes of spring. You were feeling something else. And... um that great proverb that has been going around the internet for quite a while now you mentioned that they thought they buried us they didn't know we were seeds so um i wrote down what you said i had to rewind it several times um <laughs> and i want to ask you to talk about it a little bit but since i took the time to sit there and rewind and write and rewind and write and rewind and write, and rewind and write i just wanted to read what you said cuz it's badass it reminds me of this Mary Englebright uh, poster that I have loved since I was a kid that says, Bloom where you're planted. Mm. So this is what Joey said, everybody, if you, if you missed the video. She says, and it's not too late to go back and watch her spring equinox video. You can find her as Joey Morris on YouTube. Super easy to find her. But she said, being hardy, she was talking about being hardy and having our roots grow deep. And um, she said, we're going to grow, we're going to keep growing, we're going to keep being fertile, we don't care if people call us a weed, we are not a weed, we are a helpful dandelion with many uses, and just because you can't see our worth doesn't mean that we can't see our worth and know our worth and keep giving our worth out into the world. And this was in the context, I believe, of just what's happening politically, I think, and then just like the energetic reflections of that all around. So, am I right, or am I getting something totally different out of this than what you intended?
1: No, that's exactly what I was intending. There's um, the I've I've touched on it in a couple of places. I touched on it in the blog as well. Um, but there, this spring, I just I can't share images of bunnies and chicks. And there's just something in the air right now where it's so it's so much more about roots and and like holding on and that um, Mexican phrase being very very prominent in the fore of my mind now like we are seeds and we are hardy and we're going to resist and we're not going to um, allow our planet our ecosystem and and, an ecosystem can be in terms of you know humanity as well as nature to be destroyed and i think the problem is in the world right now uh on mass, it's not just America. It's, it's happening here in England as well, which is where I am, if anyone's confused. Um, but it's, it's worldwide, and there's this kind of, like, churning going on in the atmosphere and, and in politics. And a lot of groups are finding themselves victimized. And through working with the spring equinox energies, there was just this kind of, like, if we're going to have seeds of things to come. If if we're going to have a, a tomorrow where the world is bountiful and we, we guard over it, then we have to protectively resist those in the world right now who are seeking to destroy it for profit, which is ultimately what's behind a lot of the political motivations, whether it be against people or the environment. And I can get quite <laughs> I can get quite ranty about this topic because every time I see something else, and I'm like, No, stop, stop it, stop saying we're going to put toxic waste into the waters. Stop saying that we're going to build oil pipes, and nobody's resisting it because plenty of people are resisting it and want to protect this planet and want to protect people from this kind of this kind of nightmare mentality where it's all about greed and what we can get right now and the world is going to suffer for that and our children's children are going to suffer for that we're leaving them with a world which is being sort of that we are attacking in a sense by saying we don't care if if we if we drain chemicals into the into the land and um, spill oil onto the rivers and you know there there is kind of like a dehumanization of people who are seeking to Promote looking after one another as people and looking after the planet. And there seems to be a kind of Weird, hateful backlash against those sorts of people, and kind of like trying to belittle those people. And what came through with that spring energy um, was, yeah, when we're resisting that. When when (laughs) it doesn't matter whether or not you you're going to argue and you're going to call me names and you're going to try and degrade who I am, I'm going to stand for what I believe in. And we as people, we as women, we as environmentalists, we as human beings, we as spiritual beings, we're all going to stand together and resist. And I love the. Phrase I've, I've forgotten where it's from, but it's like we're only going to get weirder and queerer and and more magical and watch the dinosaurs die out. So oh,
0: that's good. That's good. I love that you tied it in with dandelions. My dad was a Roundup-loving gardener for a large portion of my. Um, I think that's such an ironic thing to call someone who loves to spray Roundup. If you don't know, that's the chemical that like. The company Monsanto is built on, but somebody who loves to like kill everything with Roundup except for like this perfectly carpet looking kind of lawn. Like that was the Mm. point just to make the lawn look like carpet and kill everything else off. It's ironic to call someone like that a gardener because I think of a gardener as someone who nurtures and and loves nature (laughs) not Mm -hmm. i'm not dissing my dad like he does not know he does not share my opinions about that but it used to drive me crazy that he was always trying to kill the dandelions and it amused me to know in that the dandelions will not be killed they will keep popping up they will drive Uh you all over like it's like playing whack-a-mole with the with the dandelions they're so hardy they're so strong they're so determined they're with medicine from mm. from the roots, from like the entire length of their life is medicinal. There's so many ways. It's almost like we're trying to beat down the healing energies of the earth that are there for our own benefit. This like mm. loving, nurturing energy that's like, no, this is a gift for you. And we're like, ah, go away. We're like resisting it, and it doesn't go away. Like that mother that loves its child. Even though the child is a total asshole, <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the mom just keeps coming back and being like, are you hungry? Do you need a blanket? And I, I, so I have a huge affinity for dandelions. And I literally was just standing in the front yard with my son this morning. Um, our yard is covered with dandelions because we stand out there in the morning um, waiting for his cab to come blowing, you know, the little seed pods everywhere and, um uh, mm. And I, there's something defiant in that to me. So I loved that you used that analogy. And I love a new spin on spring equinox because when you think about what chemicals like Roundup um, or it, when you think about what we're doing to the soil, we're depleting it of nutrients so that there cannot be future springs. So mm. if we take this spring as resistance, we're not just protecting the seeds. Of now, we're protecting the seeds of the future, Uh, because once you rob soil of its nutrients, nothing can grow there. It's dead. So that was that was very dark. But see what you do. See what.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's only dark if you think it's dark, though, because what you're actually doing is promoting a better future. So you you want a beautiful world for future generations so it's not necessarily dark it depends how you see it
0: (laughs) yeah well I mean and it's shed I guess it's shedding light this is what I think like shadow work is is light work you know a Mm. lot of people identify as light workers but they're not in touch with the shadow but really shadow work is about shining light on the shadows it's about Mm. um so I just thought it was interesting to think about resistance in these two different ways like the resistance that's protective Um, resisting forces from outside ourselves that are harmful and then also just diving into that our own resistance to our own good. I think it's like all things you can look at it from a variety of ways. Mm.
1: And it has a use.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I I think one side effect of shadow work and resistance is that some people tend to lump certain emotions or certain processes into the negative box category. And I really don't agree with that. I'm like, well, hang on a minute and and think about it. Like, Anger can have a really positive effect for change on a global scale because when enough people are angry about a situation of, say, injustice and they march and changes are made, that's a positive thing. So I think there there is purpose to all of these things it's, it's not just shadow work isn't uh dealing and getting rid of the negative emotions mm-hmm. it's uh, it's learning more about yourself and overcoming processes that don't help you or are unhelpful uh but not saying right this emotion is negative so we're going to annex it because that's not healthy for growth either
0: yeah i think there's a potency in righteous rage and I think um, this kind of comes back around to the Morrigan goddesses like um, Kali and Hecate that are feared. I think that a lot of, uh, let's just say, patriarchal minded people, they could be men or women. The patriarchy has wormed its way into us all in some in some, to some degree, depending on the person. Um, but I think that somebody that's. Whose thought process is very rooted in patriarchy, they really buy into this cliche of women as being overly emotional or overly intense. I think there's a lot of fear of like the dark mother, like don't piss her off because she's got this irrational, like she could just go crazy, you know? And it's, um, and I think it's the repression of that feminine energy that will not be repressed, kind of like I was saying about the dandelions. It's like, mm. There is a potency to righteous rage that I think those goddesses... Actually, is the Morrigan even very ragey? I don't know a lot about her. I think of that primarily when I think of Kali. But I know she's one of the most feared goddesses. You know, you, you get the warnings. Be careful what you wish for when you decide to stop her. <laughs> <Yeah. drinking." Yeah. laughs>
1: I think so. I think she definitely has her uh, temper and her right, righteous wrath. And there are a lot of people who actually do mesh the two and do uh, sort of use that righteous wrath, morgan energy to work with environmental issues and and, and issues of um, women's rights and, and protecting women who have been harmed and whoever the, whether it be because of a male or because of a female but generally you could probably say it's because of the patriarchal way of of viewing women that a lot of women end up physically emotionally or mentally injured but a lot of people do work with morrigan in terms of of fighting back against that sort of patriarchal domination absolutely yeah
0: (gasps) You've been working with her for a long time. I know we talked about that on the last episode that we did together here, which I can't even remember when that was. But um, if people want to go back and look, there is another interview here with Joey. Mm-hmm. Uh, so how has that evolved? I'm assuming it, it keeps evolving and unfolding for you, which is, or otherwise, like, why keep working with that energy? Uh, do you find that... Uh, there's an evolution to sticking with a goddess for that long?
1: I think there is. Um, I've talked about, uh, excuse me, evolution of goddess and gods in all sorts of ways. Um, And I think working with the Morrigan particularly... Is very cyclic in nature. There are cycles to um, working with her. And I I kind of talk to people about this when, when they first start out saying, you know, the Morrigans come to me. I'm doing work with her. It's very intense. She's very in my face. And I say, okay, just be aware that there might be periods of silence straight after because she's known as the silent watcher and she has long done this this cycle with me where there's very very intense periods of you need to do this you need to be working on this this you need to be creating this and she's very very involved in terms of dreams or meditations or whatever and then there are periods of complete silence where it's very much that you know that you're being watched and she's kind of watching you put all these things into practice and letting you grow and and and, I always feel that she's still present, but some people kind of panic at that point um, that she was so full on and then she's kind of gone very silent. In terms of my personal path, I think there was a lot of of, of working through very heavy shadow work very early on in, in that path. She's always been there with me. I just didn't know who she was. So she's been with me as long as I can remember. Um, and it was only kind of when I outwardly said I want to know who you are now (laughs) then she was like about time anyway um and working through the imagery and realizing who she was so she's been around with me as long as I can remember and it's just kind of evolving and growing and, and changing and as I change and evolve and grow as a person there's always something new to be learned or something new to be challenged and I think in some senses if, if you see her very much as kind of warlike in, in some senses some battles are not going to be won in this lifetime like we've been talking about environmental issues and, and political issues and things and the consistent and permanent sort of dedication to change of of those matters isn't going to ever go away. And I am never going to feel any less strongly about, say, women's rights, which is one of the things that I feel strongly about. And so in terms of those personal battles because they just evolve and shift and change my working with her through those processes evolves and shifts and changes in terms of what we're dealing with, what we're looking at, how it's affecting and influencing me, how I get my point across. And then there are cycles in terms of me learning to be the best version of me that I can be and realizing at certain points along the road that I'm engaging in certain activities or certain ways of reacting or certain feelings and things which aren't necessarily doing me any good and I need to overcome that now and frequently with Morgan she kind of takes this yeah you need to overcome that now let's let's deal with it right now let's do it come on Mm -hmm. and and it (laughs) and so it can be kind of daunting in that sense but um Absolutely, I think she evolves. I think given her shapeshifter energy, she will never stop shifting and evolving and changing because she has energies and sides to her that are flexible and kind of apply to most areas of life. So Uh,
0: what I would love to do is give a little Goddess 101 information because mm -hmm. I am such a cerebral person and I often say um, I don't – I'm a I'm a pantheist. I work with archetypes and um I'm not I off, I often say I'm not a very goddessy witch. Um so I think a lot of my viewers probably echo that feeling um uh, mm-hmm. just because like attracts like. So I'm coming from that perspective. Um although I love working with Athena, she's definitely I think because she's such a cerebral goddess, she's such a um i like a masculine goddess in a lot of ways. And I think that's how the patriarchy flows through me in a lot of ways. It's like, of course, the goddess I connect with would be, you know, seen as kind of masculine and cold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, as I'm sitting here, pronoun- you know, announcing to the world, I'm not a very goddessy goddess. Uh, so it's like, how about this warrior goddess? Um, but regardless of that, I, my two questions that came up, while you were talking that I think might be helpful in a kind of one oh one kind of way is one, uh, what do you mean working with the goddess? Like, what does that look like in, uh, in a, a practical daily kind of way? Like, what does that mean? And two, what are you talking about when you're talking about working with the goddess? Are you talking about an entity separate from yourself? Are you, and I, we, I probably asked you this already, but I think it's interesting to go there again. Um, hmm. Are you talking about an aspect of yourself? Are you? I mean, how how would you define that?
1: Should we do the second one first, and then
0: Pikachu, just, Pikachu, just,
1: whatever. just, just, just to be awkward? <laughs> um, I consider her to to be a deity to be outside of myself. Um, I think there is an element, though, of deity and and being part of us as well. I don't think of it as being completely separate. This is so awkward. I just realized I'm such an awkward individual when I come to explaining things. So I see her as being outside of myself, but also part of part of myself because that energy flows through everybody. Uh, I think that, you know, spirituality and, and divinity is a spark within the soul of everybody. So I think there is an element of that internal monologue that goes on. And obviously we all see Um, spirituality through the lens of our own existence and how we see and, and it can even be down to things like aesthetics and how we hear hear a voice in in our sort of meditations and things that that comes through the scope of who we are and we understand things through the lens of our human perception so I think there definitely is an internal element but I tend to feel that deity is also a force that moves through the entirety of creation and therefore is outside of us. So it moves through nature. And that's why a lot of us as as witches or pagans or however we choose to define ourselves see the, the divinity within nature. And we see divinity within all sorts of things depending on how broad we are with our feelings towards what can be spiritual or not. But that's, again, personal. So I do think that she is outside of of me as an individual, but also flows through me and how I connect to her is part of, of my spiritual being, how I sort of vibrate and then on an energetic level connects to her energy on an energetic level. So, so it kind of...
0: Are you seeing a, her as like a sovereign character with her own thought process and her mm-hmm. own history and her own life and her own opinions, you know, yes. and that's... Okay, all right. so that Yes. Means, okay.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, especially when she's telling me off and she doesn't agree with
0: me. And then so what? Is she's expressing herself through nature? Um, is it an energetic that we've put a face to because it helps us to understand it? Or do you think, like, the depictions of her as being very raven-like and this, you know, like, there's, a certain commonality between a lot of the art do you think that that's a representation of like what she actually is
1: I think a lot of the aesthetic has come from um, human interaction with her and what is very likely is that it's not necessarily that that's how she began life but because there is such a huge human body of work depicting her that way that becomes kind of like a recognition process within our lens of recognizing deity. So it may well be that she shows up in meditation or dream form, looking exactly how we expect her to look, because that helps us as little humans to identify big goddess energy. And I really do feel like we have no clue really about what deity is. And I think that we kind of perceive it on our level, and so that the images and aesthetics of how we view a goddess and a goddess such as Morrigan is very much about, again, seeing through our lens. Mm. I, tend, I tend to feel that, that, that messages do come through nature. Um, I'm a big believer in paying attention to when certain things show up a lot in our lives. Now, a lot of people immediately go to the crow's for morrigan and say oh well since talking with you i've been seeing a lot more crows and and so on and so forth and i do and am surrounded by a lot of crows all the time but it's not just that i think it's opening yourself up to awarenesses when things are kind of really coming to the fore and and you can't ignore them so in my life since the end of last summer, I've been surrounded by ladybirds or ladybugs in America. The little red bugs with the little black dots on them. Surrounded, but I can't get away from them. They're in the house. I move them outside. They're back in within an hour. And you're like, where are you all coming from? There's hundreds, hundreds of you. And that, to me, is kind of nature being like, sit up and pay attention to this message that you're getting. Because it's, it's surreal in a way. It's like very, very odd for me to see that many ladybirds and then they're all in the house and then you're letting them out and they're still getting back in. And, and, and you, you kind of pick up on things in, that you need to know from an awareness perspective. And I feel like that is deity being like, okay, you need to know, or be aware, or you need to wake up to this. So yeah. we're going to give you lots of nudges through the, through nature, because deity is so present to me in nature it flows through nature it is this incredible beautiful world we live in that's breathtaking and so outside of of us when you consider like the life forms like the, the life the fascinating and you know incredible different lives that different beings in nature live yes. and so
0: yeah. What you just described yeah. too, I think are it's it's the heightened moments that get your mm-hmm. that get your attention. It reminds me of something I call witchy weather. Like uh and sometimes I mean most of the time I can say the weather's witchy and most people that are not witchy at all know what I'm talking about because it's mm-hmm. just gonna be like unseasonably warm or just kinda spooky or something that feels special or unique or different and I think people act differently in those times but I'm always very tuned in that way um and I like I think sometimes people get so hung up on looking for the signs that yes like where I live there's ravens everywhere if I thought every time I saw a raven it was a sign my life would be it would be a OCD mess because I would be like with my notebook, like, oh, there's another one. What does that mean? Mm. You know, you just, (laughs) Um, so I think those heightened moments that, that have a certain charge to them, I think that's a good thing to look for. Mm. And I guess that kind of rolls into the next question about how do you, what do you mean work with the goddess? What does that look like?
1: I think working with a goddess, first and foremost, I want to say that, you know, working with any deity, any spirituality is a highly personal thing and it's going to change for everybody because I don't... I always worry that when I say these things, people are, like, thinking that I'm telling you how you should interact with deity, and it's not the case. It's like, do your thing. However it it works for you and what resonates with you and what excites you, do that. But for me, I, I... do journaling like I mentioned dream work is kind of something that I occasionally do because I dream so much and I dream and remember three to four dreams a night and so it's so much information that I tend to not pay too much attention to dreams unless it's really outside of the box and it like the morrigan showed up in my dream and told me something S- style dream Mm-hmm um
0: kind of like the witchy weather or seeing yeah. you know, crows all the time if you're having those dreams all the time you start to be more discerning
1: mm-hmm. absolutely um I do a kind of a uh, daily offering and meditation and I will just talk to deity <laughs> like a crazy person on the street no uh, but by the altar I will just talk and I will just feel and I will just connect with with deity there and sometimes it's more about having moments of just celebration of the deity that you're working with and more frequently than not I will sing and I will sing dedications to the Morrigan and that tends to be what I resonate around which is a very verbal vocalized singing and, and um, making some sorts of music in terms of offering and and connection. So on a regular basis, that's what it looks like. In terms of more of a shadow work, it's more about crying at the altar and writing everything down and allowing that outpouring of emotion and feelings and then trying to get a handle on it.
0: Mm. Yeah. So is it true, let's say, that the Morrigan is a good goddess to work with? for people who find themselves very steeped in the shadows of life or struggling with resistance, or is it just kind of um, more, it's more broad than that?
1: I think it's more broad than that. I think that there are a lot of people who find the Morrigan Cup co- comes into their lives at difficult points to help them through those difficult points and then she disappears and I've said that on a number of occasions like I think there are people who Morrigan takes as her own and then I think there are people that she helps out when they require it so it's not that she doesn't fulfill that role because she absolutely does and she does show up for people who are struggling going through some deep dark shadow work who are going through pain and, and can't figure out how to get through that she does absolutely seem to appear and help and lend her strength to those situations and people who require it but then again it's not everybody because some people who fall apart require much more of a comforting energy and a motherly energy in the sense of kind of like a gentleness and to, the morrigan is much more of the kind of you can do this get up get up keep going keep fighting you can do this you You must believe in yourself. Keep going. And some people, that's not going to help them. It's just not. So um, I think it depends largely on who you are more than what the key thing that you're going through is.
0: Yeah, I think there's a natural gravity that happens to, like – what you feel drawn to and what you feel magnetized to is probably right for you. It's probably You don't mm. need to like force yourself into working with this or that God or goddess because that's what people say that God or goddess is good for. It's, I think there's, I did not ever intend to work with any God or goddess. Like that was not an intention of mine. It just sort of happened. <laughs> it just sort of, um, yeah. In spite of my declarations about not being a goddessy goddess, Athena decided to be like, hey, yo.
1: <laughs> about that, yeah. Yeah,
0: so uh, <laughs> that's interesting that you think that. Um, yeah, so uh, that can happen too. I feel like there's no need to, like, shoehorn yourself into this preconceived idea about what the Morrigan is, and, and you can just let it flow and show up how it will.
1: I think too many people place too too much importance with um, whatever's popular right now as well. I mean, I've had, had people show up and be like, please tell me how to connect with the Morrigan, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I can't. I can't do that for you. But I, I feel awful when I say these. I'm like, I can't tell you how to connect with the Morrigan. The Morrigan connects with the people that she wants to help with. She's she's very adamant in it. And it's okay if if she's not the goddess for you. It's better for you to find the the, the correct path up the mountain for you than it is for you to embrace what some what looks good that somebody else is engaging with. Mm.
0: That's why I love uh, mostly the the witchy community, the, the witches that I focus on. It's very uh, personal, individual. Mm. Um, what? Did, how did Annika recently 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 say? It? It's uh, spiritual independence. I think is what she was saying, and I think there's space for that. There's. I mm. love I love the dynamics of all these different perspectives coming together in one conversation and um, so I can have one idea that you know gods and goddesses they're just archetypes they're just reflections of ourselves they're they're pieces of the divine that we can see through our lens and then you can be like no it's actually like a separate entity unto itself and I love that those two ideas can not only coexist but start to mingle together
1: Mm, absolutely
0: that's so great. So I just have like a fun personal question, and I, I definitely mean to keep this light. I'm not trying to dig too deep. Uh, but what is some a, a form of resistance that you still find popping up in your life? Um, with, with some regularity, do you have like a pet resistance that just keeps being like, ding? <laughs> you know, it could be like a bag of chips that won't leave you alone. It could
1: <laughs> <laughs> well... I think one of the key resistances that pop ups for me is actually something I shared um, a meme about yesterday which is if someone tells me I can't do something I will do it oh, that's to show that I, to show that I can do it like if someone's like no no that's not for you you can't do that that's that's uh, that's above you you can't manage that I'm like right watch me
0: <laughs> resist me. <laughs> resist the no I have that too I totally relate to that one I've outgrown it a little bit because I've found people can manipulate you with it mm-hmm. once they know yeah. that, once they know that about you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also I just found I would do things despite myself. Like I would do things, I mean, sometimes I would spend a lot of time creating something or making something or pursuing something just because someone thought that I couldn't. Mm. And it was like, um, why am I investing so much energy and time <laughs> into this when this person probably has never even thought about it again and like, this has nothing to do with you know my personal life path like I I went off on a few jaunts like that that were just that <laughs> why you know why am I here what am I doing um so I just thought that was a fun question to ask since we're talking about <laughs> 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 talking about resistance um yeah this was really fun should I ask you again because I'm certain I asked you before uh Let's say your answer will be different. It could be different. What is your okay. one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams? My favorite question to ask.
1: I would always say be true to who you are and true to yourself and true to your dream and the way that you see the universe and how you want your life to be. And don't allow anybody else to tell you that your dream is too big or too small or too wacky or anything like that. Just be... Just hold on to the things that you feel are important, your dreams, your pursuits, your passions, and live for that. Live for your passions is what I would say. Mm,
0: that's good. And part of that for you is Starry Eyed supplies this really great witchy shop that you have online. So mm-hmm. first, give us the URL to that. And then second, tell us like what is new in the witchy shop so we can be tempted to go check it out. <laughs>
1: So the URL is www.starryeyedsupplies.co.uk and uh, that will take you to the storefront and you can actually get links to everything on the storefront. So if you want to go check out Facebook for the store and you want to see what other people have said about products, you can do that. If you want to go to YouTube and see what I've said about things, you can do that. And then the blog's there too. And we've just launched, I say we me I, I have just launched two perfumed anointing spell oils um there is temple of witches and crow priestess and temple of witches was a big request because there's a smudge in that scent and people are like can we please get a, a very highly perfumed spell oil like that so that's just been released it's in a rollerball format so you can ball it all over and it smells really good so mm.
0: You know, I have to say, too, that I really recommend people check out your videos because you talk about—it's like the QVC of witches um, on a much, like, small small batch scale. <laughs> but, like, she, she will make something, and then it's like you get the whole story behind it and the ingredients and, and the spirit of it, like the meaning of it. And I feel like that is— so much it's necessary. Better. Well, it's just so much better than seeing, you know, just a picture on Etsy and clicking buy. It's like um you get the whole the energetics of it by by mm-hmm. listening to these videos and um what when I say like small batch, I don't even know what that entails like how many you know, if you're making a certain candle and you're talking about it on YouTube, how many of them are available? Is it like, this is the only one or you're making 12 of these? How does that work?
1: It depends what it is. Um, a lot of my work is custom work, which by the way, people are free to come talk to me about custom work. It's no problem. So people will say to me, Uh, I want a set for the goddess Freya and I want these things. And I'm like, okay, so is there anything that you want specifically? And they may or may not say yes or no or or give me a price range or whatever. So what usually happens is that those products are solely for the person, initially for the person who ordered them. If they are then broad enough that they would appeal to other people, I will make them available as remakes and I will remake on order uh, I might make a few on order so I might make say we had an order for a particular votive I might make three to three to five of them um, so that they can go out but generally speaking I tailor make most orders per person so they have a little bit more of the personalized energy for that individual rather than being mass produced, because I don't like mass producing stuff. I feel like witchcraft items should all have a soul, which is why the videos are made. So you can hear the story, hear the soul behind the magical products. Well, how
0: does that work if, like, you make a video that resonates with 24 people and they're all like, I want that oil? Um, So do you then just make 24? Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. You're a hardworking witch. Yeah. (laughs) You really are wow i did not know that i figured you just made a giant batch and we all got a little piece of it
1: uh i'll make a batch of certain certain key products which might go over five or six at most which like the blade of shield blade over shield oil i will make a big batch of that and partly because i use that myself quite a bit so um i'll do that but generally speaking no it's tailor-made for people's orders
0: Well, I'm glad I asked. This was fabulous. Thank you so much for coming back to talk to us.
1: Thank you for having me. It's always exciting.
0: (laughs) Much love. Much love, everybody. Peace.